Hey folks, this is the Love of Cinema podcast. We like to talk movies. If you like to talk movies too, you have come to the right place. The research, why you find Sarkar more realistic, more earthy and more relatable is because I researched the subject very well. I researched the, I put in a lot of research on the Thakre family. you know and on his opponents like i said mr sharad pawar uh, mr chagan bujbal ajli mastan daud etc so i put in a lot of research i studied their characters i studied the power dynamics that happened between all these characters so the research is what made a difference the research is what made it authentic i would say and realistic hey everyone this is manchu and you're listening to the love of cinema podcast welcome to episode 2 of season 2 on this episode an extremely candid chat with someone who doesn't like to mince words someone who likes to shoot straight and tell it as is but before that in case you're new to the podcast and are listening for the first time first of all welcome and thanks for checking out the love of cinema podcast hope you liked the episode and do check out season 1 of the podcast as well you can find all 12 episodes of season 1 wherever you listen to your podcasts apple spotify google podcast or any of the other podcast apps love of cinema podcast is a place for long form free willing conversations centered around indian cinema and streaming shows if you enjoy similar conversations do consider subscribing you can find the love of cinema podcast on all major podcast apps also do review us on apple podcast and don't forget to share with your friends an episode which you liked writer director manish gupta joins me on this episode to talk about ram gopal varma's sarkar which he wrote and the stone man murders rahasya and section 375 which he wrote and directed manish spoke about the similarities between the thakre family and the characters in the godfather as well as the challenges of recreating 80s mumbai for the stone man murders manish also spoke on being mentored by ram gopal varma the responsibilities of a filmmaker who wants to tell stories which are based upon true crime and his advice to screenwriters in india we also did a fun lightning round of questions where i asked him to pick his favorites before we listen to the chat just a quick synopsis on couple of films which we spoke about for those who might not be familiar with them The Stone Man Murders is a 2009 crime thriller based on the early 80s serial killings in Mumbai while Rahasya is a 2015 suspense drama based on the 2008 Noida double murder case and now here's my chat with Manish Gupta I wanted to start by talking about Sarkar and um let's start by talking about you know what was the germ for that movie so an adaptation of the godfather uh, set in mumbai with a thakre like figure at the center uh, would that be an accurate uh, description absolutely very accurate yeah and was that uh, like how did you and ramu uh, set out to make this movie like what wa- was that uh, your brief or uh, can you tell us a little bit about that story yeah i'll tell you basically i am an engineer i'm a mechanical engineer 
okay but uh, i wanted to get into a creative line you know so after working for 6 years as an engineer i decided that i must get into a creative line and i joined an ad agency as a copywriter i used to write ad films at that time i i decided that i want to go to hollywood i want to go to hollywood and write and direct movies in hollywood okay because at that time indian cinema was dominated by uh, movies which were like uh, marriage videos and you know saas bahu soap operas and song yeah. and dance. so yeah indian cinema was dominated by those kind of movies but then i saw a movie called company directed by ram gopal varma so company was a brilliant movie and it was a path breaking movie at that time because there was no such movie at that time so company had a very big influence on me and i thought hey hollywood has come here hollywood has come to bollywood you know and this gentleman ram gopal varma is the man i want to work with he is the person i want to work with so i started approaching him so uh, when i started approaching him he was not very he was not very receptive it took me one and a half years to actually get into his camp so i kept following up as persistent i kept following up with him kept following up with him kept coming to meet him kept calling him messaging him finally one day he read one of my scripts and he said okay we are working together he was so impressed by the script so then he gave me the idea that i want to make a movie on bala saheb thakre i want to make a movie on bala saheb you know keeping bala saheb thakre as a central character because he was very uh, intrigued by the personality of bala saheb thakre he said that i am very in- intrigued that a person like bala saheb thakre can exist in india you know a person who's above the law a person who is a law unto himself you know who's so brave and bold and brazen in his in in his uh, conduct you know not afraid of anybody and he almost runs a parallel government you know so he was very intrigued by the character and he told me i want to make a movie on this this person then he gave me some references the godfather was more like a reference let's see how in godfather you have this uh, vito corleone who's you know a lawn so he said we i want to move, make a movie like that where it's about this gentleman mr it's it's the protagonist is modeled on balasaheb thakre and it's about his family about right. his son about his sons you know about his rivals and how his rivals try to destroy him and how the son helps him get his honor back etc then i started researching balasaheb thakre's life i i know a few people from the family so i i met them i went to matroshi matoshri i started uh, researching the background of bala saheb thakre i went through the shri krishna commission then i studied the equation with sharad pawar with uh, chagan bujbal with haji mastan with daud there were a lot of there's a lot of information that i gathered of course we never use the real names because those were all reference characters we fictionalized it but if you've seen the movie it's very obvious who's who so i put on a lot of research into it because in all my scripts uh, research research forms the backbone of all my scripts because that's where the real quality writing comes from so i researched the subject thoroughly and then i started writing it yeah so i started writing it i first wrote the story then i wrote the screenplay and then i wrote the dialogue that's how i went about it. and uh, then ramu 
Ramuji went and narrated it to Amitabh Bachchan, and Amitabh Bachchan was Mr. Amitabh Bachchan was very thrilled after he heard the story, and he told Abhishek that it's a brilliant story and we are doing it, and that's about it. And uh, just a little bit more about, uh, like you said, Godfather was uh, one of the references, uh, but there is almost like a one-to-one mapping that you can see between some of the, at least the prominent characters. And I always thought that that was very nicely done because it wasn't just a one-to-one mapping of the characters from Godfather, but also from, like you said, from uh, essentially uh, people um, from the man's uh, personal life. And especially of note, I thought was the character of Wish, who is essentially a combination of uh, Sonny and Fredo, so to speak. Uh, could you share uh, with us why you decided to do that as to combine those two characters uh, into one character? You gave a good analogy of uh, Sonny and Fredo, but actually, actually, the character is a combination of Binda Madhav Thakre and Jaydev Thakre. So coincidentally, there are a lot of similarities between the Thakre family and the movie Godfather and the novel Godfather. There are many coincidences. So it is basically Binda Madhav Thakre, who was a producer, and Jaydev Thakre, who did not get along well with his father and who was thrown out from the house by Balasaheb Thakre, but his wife, Miss Smita Thakre, stayed behind with, with her father-in-law that way. So I know Smita Thakre very personally. I know her very well. We were supposed to do movies together. She was supposed to produce some of my movies. Of course, things didn't work out. But I know her very well and very personally. So, Ruksar's character was based on Smita Thakre. If you can see the facial resemblance, uh, if you see Ruksar, do you remember Ruksar from the movie? KK's yes, wife. yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. And she was in Stone Man Murders as well. Yeah. You can see the facial resemblance to uh, Smita Thakre ji. So that's what it is. So it's not so much Fredo and Sony. It was more of Binda Madhav and Jaydev Thakre. But the tragedy, the tragedy with a good writer in, in Bollywood is that because usually everybody is always copying from Hollywood. So when somebody writes something original and unique, it is assumed that, oh, he must have copied this from there. So yeah, so that, all that is more of, an, more of an assumption that way. So Godfather is more of a reference. Okay. All the scenes, all the scenes were conceived by by us like a it's an original screenplay, and you can see you can see the the whole the whole graph is completely different. It's more about politics. It's 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 a political kind of movie, you know. It's essentially a movie of a power family, and uh, I guess that's where. Basically, basically, uh, Subhash Nagre, Subhash Nagre is a power broker. Yeah, and the chief minister, the chief minister is the main villain who turns out to be the main villain in the end, who's pretending to be his friend all through, but he's actually the main villain. So that is a twist. So, yeah, so that's what. And um, once uh, uh, we are still on Sarkar, um, you know, there were a handful other adaptations of The Godfather in Hindi before that, right? And most of them were mainstream and most of them were hardcore kind of commercial um, adaptations but with Sarkar you somehow feel that this uh, you know Sarkar kind of made that story of a power family you know which is at the core of both the stories it's very own and therein lies the merit of the film uh, what's the secret behind um, a good 
adaptation i know it's not like a like you said it wasn't an adaptation as in uh, you're taking the book and adapting it it was based on the thakre family and so forth but what in your opinion is the secret behind a good adaptation of a story the research the research why you find sarkar more realistic more earthy and more relatable is because i researched the subject very well i researched the i put in a lot of research on the thakre family you know and on his opponents like i said mr sharad pawar uh, mr chagan bujbal haji mastan daud etc so i put in a lot of research i studied their characters i studied the power dynamics that happened between all these characters so the research is what made the difference the research is what made it authentic i would say and realistic so that is the secret gotcha and in your research what was the most uh, surprising thing that you learned um, not in terms of like the details uh, you know but uh, what was it or what aspect of it was the most uh, surprising or uh, shocking for you nothing was surprising or shocking because i have i was born and brought up in bombay so balasaheb thakre comes as no surprise to me i have grown up listening to stories of him and watching him in action seeing his interviews so nothing nothing surprises me in fact i i already knew a lot since i'm from bombay i already had a lot of information about bala saheb thakre uh, there was one more person i would like to acknowledge is mr dayanayak who's a uh, encounter specialist even he helped a lot with the research i see and was the thakre family fairly welcoming when you went um, uh, with your research not at all not at all in fact towards the end before the movie is about to release mr thakre said that i want to see the movie okay if you, and if i don't like it i won't let you release the movie so a special screening was held for mr balasaheb thakre where he came with a, with all his security with zel level security he came and he saw the movie but after watching the movie he was enthralled by the movie he was, he was completely in awe of it and now let's uh, talk a little bit about ramu um like you you already told uh, me how you um, started working with ramu uh but uh, <clears throat> what do you think in your opinion uh and in your experience is uh, which led him to mentor so many good um storytellers like you in their early days yeah he is he was a genius in his own right he was very uh, encouraging and he was a very enter- enterprising sort of person he is the one who started giving breaks to new talent he is the one who started he is the person who started this trend of giving breaks to other directors and letting your assistants direct movies he started the trend after that everybody started copying his trend of giving you know assistants uh, movies to direct and also at that time he was so busy he was directing films back to back there were multiple films that he was directing so he did not have the time to direct all the movies you know that is why he started giving breaks to his assistants to direct movies in fact he made me a director i became a director because of ramu he uh, gave me dalna zaruri hai once there was a movie called dalna zaruri hai so he gave, uh, there were six stories and six, six different directors so he gave me uh, one section one story to direct so i directed one story of dalna zaruri hai that's how i became a director so this was his spirit of enterprise and what were your uh, creative takeaways from working with him like what do you think is his influence on you as a director as a storyteller the short taking uh, my short taking compositions 
the way I build a scene, what's called Mises song. That I learned a lot from him. Composition, shot taking, camera angles, camera placement, putting a putting a scene together, shooting a scene. So the shooting is what I learned from him. Uh, whereas for the writing part, the writing I do it from my own experience and from the research, and it's my personal expression of human nature. What I what I what are my observations of human nature, and what are my inferences about human nature? That is what I put in my writing. So writing is a very organic and very personal process for me. Nobody, I feel, nobody can teach you how to write. Uh, somebody, if you read a lot of books on screenplay, if you watch a lot of movies, you read screenplays. You can hone your skills. You can hone your skill as skills as a writer. But uh, the talent has to come from within. You have to be. Uh, you have to have talent. Whereas direction, direction is something. Filmmaking is something which can be learnt to an extent. Of course, you need imagination. You need creativity. You need to have a natural flair for it. But but still, the technical aspects can be learnt. Whereas writing can't be learnt. So I would say I learnt direction from Ramu. Shot taking, editing. Yeah, editing. I learnt a lot of editing from him. You know, and yeah, compositions, lighting, working with the cameraman, uh, the way he used to handle actors, the way he used to instruct actors. I learnt all that from him. Can you uh, give us one uh, particular example of a uh, scene from um, one of your movies where you would say, you know, that's in style with uh, the Ramu school of uh, filmmaking? No, I. That's what I'm saying. I would never. I don't believe in uh, copying or being influenced by somebody. For example, I learned a lot from him, but that is his style. That is uh, Ram Gopal Verma's style. I do not want to be a clone. I do not want to be sure. I want to copy anybody. So I learned the technicalities from him, but when I directed my own my movies, so I had my own style. I have developed my own, over the years. I have developed my own style of direction. Okay, so I will name all my influences. My influences are Ram Gopal Verma in Indian. I tell you, in Indian filmmakers, I'll name my influences. There's a director called Govind Nilani. Uh, everybody seems to have forgotten this director, Govind Nilani, but he's made brilliant films like Akrosh. Oh, of course, yes. Brokal, uh, Tamas. So. There's a heavy influence of Govind Nilani on my style of filmmaking. Then there's a gentleman, Ritwik, Ritwik Ghatak. Then uh, there is Sham Benegal. There's Satyajit Ray. So all these are also, they have influenced my style of filmmaking. Then when I look at international directors, there's Alfred Hitchcock. There is Christopher Nolan and David Fincher. And to, to an extent, there is uh, Oliver Stone, a true filmmaker. Should always have his own voice, his own signature. Yes, makes yes, sense. You said it. Own signature, right? And then in late two thousands, um, suddenly Ramu is a different filmmaker. He's making different kind of films, and obviously people go through different phases and everything. So, but what? what uh, why do you think he kind of went astray? I mean, he was the leading kind of an auteur, you know, uh, for almost a decade, and more than a decade, I would say, ever since from uh, Shiva. And then suddenly in late 2000s, everything changed. Yes. Uh, there are two uh, bad influences that he uh, got influenced by. One is alcohol. He has a very bad uh, habit of alcohol and his uh, consumption of alcohol has consumed him. Because at 8.30 p.m. in the evening, his vodka comes out. And he keeps drinking till, till 3 o'clock in the night. 
if you if a person let alcohol consume him so completely it will affect it will affect your focus it will affect your creativity it will affect your general uh, efficiency and it has also affected his his mind i think because the quality of movies that he used to make and the kind of movie he makes now there, there is no comparison he has his quality has deteriorated exponentially over the years so the main reason is alcohol that is one reason there is another reason the second reason of some some obsession that he has which has uh, caused his downfall is something that i rather not discuss on a public platform famous for it so well so that is that also has uh, been the reason for his downfall because his focus has been on that and when you focus too much on that then you lose focus on your work let's talk about my favorite movie of yours uh, which is uh, the stone man murders now i uh, first of all manish this is a great film i really love this film and recently uh, i tweeted about it when it came out on amazon because i don't think many people have seen this especially younger kids so i want uh, as many people to watch this as possible and my first question i wanted to start out by asking you is about casting kk menon and of course you had worked with him in um <clears throat> sarkar excuse me uh but the way i look at this particular character of uh, sanjay shelar is um a kind of a precursor to kk's character from black friday um or rather real person rakesh maria so you know in the sense that sanjay's character seems to be someone uh, who could go on to become maria's character in black friday a uh, few years down the line were you coming from a similar place of thought when you decided on casting kk uh, as the lead investigating cop uh, just curious no it is uh, kk's character was based on inspector abadeen who investigated the murders of uh, murders committed by jack the ripper in london yeah because in the stoneman murders uh, the stoneman murders based on real case okay it, it happened in 83 it happened between 83 and 87 like pavement kill a pavement dwellers were killed by a, a mysterious murderer you know but there was not a single cop who was investigating that there were many there were at least 30 40 cops who were investigating that and none of them could find anything so there was no one cop who was investigating that uh, murder so i could not have a protagonist you know based on any single cop that is why i chose inspector abadeen who had investigated the jack jack the ripper murders yeah so that was my basis i created him on uh, on the basis of that oh that's very interesting okay i didn't know that and how close uh, was your uh, the entire story to the actual murders which took place in the matunga sayan area uh, yeah yeah the thing is uh, not much is known about because since these were pavement dwellers so there was not much known about the victims who were killed you know then because there were 30 40 policemen investigating the case there was not much known about the policemen either so the information that i had about the murders was very limited so i had the real locations i knew the real real locations okay Uh, murder number 1 happened at this location murder number 2 happened at this location and uh, the general uh, sort of way the murder murders took place you know typically with a stone so that's about 
all that I had. And I had some uh, rumors which were floating at that time and the fear psychosis that, uh, you know, prevailed in Bombay at that time. And I remember the incident from my childhood. I clearly remember people used to say that don't venture out in the night. That man who comes and kills people will come and get you. So there was a fear psychosis at that time. So I remember all, all that. So the information available to me was very limited. So I would say the film is around 40% fact and 60% fiction. Because I had no other facts. I wish I had more facts. In fact, I'll tell you, we spent we spent months and months on researching the film. I'll tell you how. That time, see, this happened in 83, 87. So there were no internet articles available from that time. There was no internet at that time. Right. In 87. So I sent my team, I went personally to, I went personally along with my team to the Times of India archives. All newspapers have an archival department and they have newspapers from 100 years ago and they are all stacked in files. So you have to pay a nominal fee and you get access to the newspaper from that particular date. So my team and I went and dug out all the old newspapers and the old articles from that time and you know we put put together a lot of articles and from the articles we used whatever information that we could get if you see the movie again you see the opening titles in the opening titles i've used the real articles the articles that you see are the real articles from 83 and 87 from times mostly from times of india so those are the real articles and in the movie you see i've recreated i've recreated the photographs like whatever scene of crime I saw in the photographs, in those articles, I've recreated that in the movie. So, yeah, so that's how that's how I mixed fact and, fact and fiction. Was the bit about uh, the tribal ritual uh, part uh, of your research or was that from, uh, was, there, was I, that? Yeah, it was a part of research because there were theories. See, the stone man was never captured. He was never arrested. Nobody knows who the stone man is till today. But there were a lot of rumors going around. There were many rumors. So one rumor was that this is some sort of uh, human sacrifice. Superstition is like, you know, in rural areas, there's a lot of superstition. And human sacrifice happens in India, in tribal places. You know, there are people who kill other people. You know, there's black magic. They, they put a hex. They put... They use black magic to put their troubles onto the other person. So all this, all these things happen in India. So there were such rumors going around that time in police circles and in the public that these killings are happening, you know, because of some sort of black magic. As somebody from a rural area or some sort of tribal, they are trying to do something. You know, it's a kuch jadu, jadu tuna hai ya kala jadu hai or black magic ka kuch to hai. Aisa kuch hai, jhaar ka kuch angle hai. Everybody is being killed with a stone, you know, in a similar manner. And so it's some, some sort of pattern to it. There's some sort of ritual to it. So that was one theory which was floating around. The second theory which was floating around is the person is a psychopath. You know, that the person is a psychopath, he's deranged and he's doing this. But the, my question was, and the police also was wondering, if the person is a psychopath and he's deranged, he seems to be going about in a very systematic manner. Killing all the people in the same manner, very systematically, with one blow at the head, he's killing them. So it sounds a little too organized and systematic to be actually, uh, you know, some sort of deranged person. 
that way then yeah so these were the theories going around so i since there's no conclusive proof the person was never arrested there was no trial nothing so i used all the data that i had in hand including the including the rumors including the rumors and the hypothesis there were many hypotheses is there any one particular theory that made uh, most sense to you yeah yeah the black magic the black magic and uh, you know black magic theory and the theory of you cause harm to the other person to relieve yourself of the troubles this is a very common practice in india you know you see some people they perform some sort of black magic and they leave their chappals their slippers somewhere in the hope that somebody else will wear them and they think that their trouble will pass on to that other person so india is a cradle especially the rural areas especially the rural areas are a cradle of blind faith of uh, superstition and of very senseless and brutal rituals you know so that theory made a lot of sense to me it seemed it seemed very logical ke yaar it could be something like this it seems something like this you know because a deranged person will do it once or twice and he'll just be he'll just be crazy it will there will be some kind of randomness to it yeah there there'll be some kind of randomness to it there will be some sort of goof up he'll goof up somewhere he'll be caught you know he'll be seen running around like a mad person or something like that but the way this guy kept doing it and he on on one particular night he attacked twice under the nose of the police and this was happening under the nose of the police there was police patrols going on yet he was doing it and he killed some seven uh, i think 12 people he killed some 12 people <clears throat> then he came again after some years again he started killing people so he kept doing it so a deranged person would not be so diabolical and systematic there seemed to be something i would say in hindi dal mein kuch kala tha you know uh, recently there was another another serial killer called the beer man beer man and he was hitting people with a beer bottle and killing them but he was apprehended he was caught because he was deranged he was a psychopath so you it was something uh, you know something fishy here yeah there seemed to be a method to the madness here so the method to there was something fishy and there was no rape there was no no rape there was no robbery these were these were beggars these were pavement dweller dwellers like who were either daily laborers very poor people or they were beggars so there was no robbery there was there seemed to be no motive but then seemed like the work of a deranged person it could have been a yeah psychopathic mind yeah but not deranged for sure because it was very he seemed almost organized there was there was a method to it there was a, there was some sort of it was systematic so uh, there almost seemed to be some sort of intelligence invested in doing this so why would somebody do it unless there's something something to be gained so it seemed to be the work of a twisted mind i would say and in india like in the west in the west uh, they have disturbed childhoods they have they have been abused you know serial killers typically in the west have disturbed childhoods they have uh, divorced uh, parents and they have been uh, abused sexually men have been raped by other men all that happens and that's how they become serial killers in india that sort of uh, that doesn't happen so typically in india 
you know in in india it's more of either poverty drives you to do it ignorance ignorance is very high in india ignorance drives you to do it or blind faith drives drives you to do it there are babas there are these godmen who tell you ke jao uska sar kaat do jaake to tumhari problem dur ho jayegi so it seems something like that yeah i there is no conclusive proof of it but it seemed that seemed to be the most plausible and logical solution in india you know for this kind of this kind of thing ritual it seemed like a ritual uh, like you know rituals form a very important part of the of indian lifestyle we are all about rituals we have ganpati which is a ritual we go and put an elephant into into the elephant idol of an elephant into the sea uh we have diwali we have holi we are very very strong on our rituals you know there are there are temples in which goats are killed goats are beheaded in temples so we are a country and a society which is obsessed with rituals so that's why it seemed like a very plausible uh, sort of you know motive for me, to me now uh, you put in quite a bit of effort in uh, recreating the mumbai of that era and uh, would love to hear more about how you went about doing that it was a nightmare it was a nightmare so we shot the film in 2009 and i had to depict 1983 the landscape had changed completely so for every shot and i used no cg because that time at in 2009 the cg cg was not so advanced so the cg would make the film look very tacky so i had decided not to use any cg and there's no cg in the film so every time we took a shot we had to cover we had to cover shops we had to cover up cars and we had to sh- uh, cover up all the surroundings so we had black tarpaulin we have we had like rolls and rolls of tons of black tarpaulin so i would cover up cars to hide them i would cover up uh, shops i even covered up the pavement because if you see these days we have those uh concrete blocks which are you know which are shaped like a hexagon or they are shaped like uh, how do i say like a r glass so the the pavements the the footpath is made of those uh, concrete blocks you get me but in 83 they were made of tar black tar right chamber ka hota tha so i had sheets i had black sheets of rubber and plastic which i i would lay on the footpath where i was shooting to give it a feel of tar so it was a lot of effort and there were wide shots there were shots of roads that kk menon is walking on the road arbaz khan is on the road so i had to cover up all the roads i had to cover up like almost 2 3 kilometers of the road because in a wide shot you could see till the distance and since i used no cg so that was the only solution i had so that was a nightmare it took a lot of time and effort and you also did a great job of uh, the sound design and all the background kind of music and clips and even movie posters i saw a poster of bhagavat and everything uh, plastered on the wall in the background so that was also very nicely done yes that that was my brief to the production designer i told him to get me posters from that era from 83 so that when you you know look at the walls you see these old old movie posters and that gives you a feel of that that period my next questions are going to be about rahasya but uh, i think this is a common thread in all your movies from uh, stone man murders rahasya as well as uh, your latest uh, section uh, 375 but before that uh, 
Was the Noida double murder case still uh, sub-judice when you were making Rahasya? Yes, yes. They had uh, received a uh, conviction in the lower court. The lower court had convicted them, but they had challenged it in the high court. So it was sub-judice in the high court. That's it. Okay. Then, um, now my next question is, what do you believe are your responsibilities as a filmmaker, making a film? which has uh, deep similarities with uh, true crime events. And I think this uh, pretty much pertains to all of these three films uh, because they are somehow based on some events, right? Even section 375, you could um, argue that there's some similarity between what happened with actor uh, Shiny Ahuja. Absolutely, uh, uh, not similarity. In fact, section 375 is totally based on the Shiny Ahuja. Section 375 is absolutely based on Shiny Ahuja's case. And I knew Shiny Ahuja very personally. I knew Shiny Ahuja and his wife Anupam Ahuja very personally. Because supposed to do a film with Shiny Ahuja. This is back in 2009. This was just immediately after Stoneman murders release. So I used to go to their house in Oshiwara, Andheri West. I used to go to their house and I used to visit them. We used to discuss the film. And there was a maid servant who was around 20, 20 years old. Her name was Madhuri, Madhuri Joshi. One fine evening, I heard that Shiny has been arrested for the rape of this girl. I went running to the Oshiwara police station. I saw a sea of media people outside the police station with their cameras, standing outside with their cameras. I went inside, I got, out, got inside somehow, and I spoke to the DCP. The DCB told me that they have established that intercourse has taken place between this girl and Shiny. But he's not sure whether it's consensual or is it forced. I said, if you, by your own admission, you're not sure whether it's consensual or is it forced, then how can you arrest him? Why is he inside? I mean, at least give him the benefit of doubt. No? They said, nay, this is the law. As per section 375 and section 376, we have to arrest a man if he's been accused of rape by a woman. So we have to keep him under custody. Then after that, I don't need to tell you the film that that film got shelled because nobody wanted to work with Shiny Oja. People ostracized him from the industry. No producer wanted to back him. They think they thought they nobody accept him as a hero. Uh, no actress wanted to work with him, and his career went for a toss completely after that. So that's how it is. So what I saw is. Uh, the DCP was not sure whether it's rape or consensual. The court till today has not given a verdict on Shiny Oja's case. But the public of India and the film industry definitely judged him as a rapist. They not only judged him, they played judge, jury and executioner. And they sealed his fate. So that is where I got the idea and that's, that's where I got the basic story plot from. After that, after that, I started researching the film. I started researching uh, rape cases. Uh, what do you believe are your responsibilities as a storyteller when you're making films about something which are, uh, which is, uh, for which the premise is completely based on true crime events or has deep similarities to it? Yes. See, as a writer, I write about what I see happening around me. Okay, so my stories hold a mirror to our society. I write about what I see happening around me in our society. So obviously you will find similarities between what I'm writing and what is happening around us. I do not, 
I do not. Most Indian writers they copy either from the West, they copy from Hollywood, or they copy from French films or German films or Spanish films. Now the trend is to copy from Korean films. So earlier they used to copy unofficially. Now they copy officially. So it's called a remake. But essentially, you're copying. You're just remaking a movie, a movie which has already been made, a story that has been written by somebody else. You just start Indianizing it and remaking it. So what's the fun in that? I mean, that's like a you're being a copycat. So that's a trend. I don't do that. For me, the joy is creating something new. What have I created? That's the question I like to ask myself. What have I created as a creator? What have I done? That's why I like to write stories which reflect the social milieu of of India. You know, so that's why you find similarities between my stories and what's happening in their life. But as a responsible filmmaker, I always take care that I do not take sides. I right. do not pass a judgment on anybody in in the movie. So I fictionalize the movie. For example, Section Three Seventy Five is completely based on the Shiny Oja case. It's completely based on the Shiny Oja case. But I fictionalized it. I have fictionalized it to a large degree, such that nobody uh, is judged and blamed after watching the movie. the shiny uja case becomes like an example you know because there are many cases like shiny uja i spent 3 years on writing and researching section 375 i attended 160 court hearings i met lawyers i tried to meet judges i spoke to so many policemen i met accused men i met uh, rape survivors during the research and scripting i was careful not to take sides and to have a very balanced view to show that this is a issue that plagues our society like when while rape is a rampant crime you know and the conviction rate of rape in rape cases is very very low at the same time fake rape cases are also rampant and they also a fake rape cases are also a burning issue and burning issue faced by the country so my job was to very responsibly balance both these these facts and show it in a very very mature and balanced manner wherein it is i'm not taking the side of men nor am i taking the side of women i'm showing a problem and there are two sides to the problem so that i feel that is a filmmaker's responsibility to balance balance an issue and give a very unbiased and uh, unbiased balance of opinion now manisha let's move on and uh, uh, the next uh, few questions are essentially miscellaneous and most of these are uh, i'm just uh, it's about cinema and your advice and i'm going to ask you for a few recommendations so the first thing i would like to do is uh, play a small kind of a lightning round where i'll give you a couple of choices and you pick your favorite among the two and real fast without thinking too much So whatever is your instinctive response, uh, that will be good. Ready? Ready. Okay. So the first one, uh, Satya or company? Company. Zodiac or Changeling? Zodiac. Badlands or Bonnie and Clyde? Bonnie and Clyde. Vidhu Vinod Chopra's Khamosh or Vidhu Vinod Chopra's Parinda? Neither. uh true crime or who done it fiction who done it fiction 
uh, Agatha Christie or Doyle? Mine, my style. I have evolved a style over the years. I usually combine true crime and whodunit in all my movies, most of my movies. Stone Man Murders, Rahasya, and uh, Section 375. I have taken a real case and I have fictionalized it to make it into a suspense movie. And only in the end is the suspense broken. So, right. I, combine, so I combine the two genres. That's my genre. Uh, Agatha Christie or uh, Arthur Conan Doyle? Agatha Christie is my favorite author of all time. I've read around 60 books of hers. And you can see my see the influence of Agatha Christie in all my writing. In all. Especially in Rahasya and Section 375. Steve Larson or uh, Joe uh, Nespo? I don't like Steve Larson. Okay. And how about uh, Nespo? I'm not ready. Okay. okay. Uh, what's uh, one piece of advice about screenwriting in particular, which uh, you would give uh, the Manish Gupta who was just starting out? Right. Very thick question. Take a few seconds if you would like to think about it. Because usually the advice that you have now is, uh, you know, most of the times generic advice. But I am always interested in the advice that you would like to give a younger self, you know, because that uh, essentially tells your journey. I should have worked harder. I should have worked harder on scripting uh, the Stone Man murders. And another of my films called, a film called Hostel, for which I won the President's Award. But uh, when I was scripting Stone Man Murders and when I was scripting Hostel, both directed by me, I got a little overconfident or overconfident on the writing aspect because I had got so many nominations for Sarkar. I had received a lot of appreciation for the scripting of Sarkar. You know, a lot of accolades had come my way for Sarkar. So I got a little overconfident. So my focus was completely on the direction on the shot taking etc. And I took the writing for granted. I thought, ha, writing to mere bhai, bhai hai, so that's fine. And my whole focus was in the direction. That was wrong. Because I feel the script is the most important part of the, of the movie. Once the script is correct and the script is right, nothing can go wrong. Even if the, the shot taking is not all that brilliant and everything is not that brilliant, the script is brilliant. The movie will still hold. So I thought, I, I now looking back, I feel on these two movies, The Stone Man Murders and Hostel, I was a little hasty and a little overconfident on the scripting. I should have put, a, put in a little more effort. So these films, I got the President's Award for Hostel and Stone Man also was appreciated. But these films would have become cult classics. They would have become outstanding films if, had I put in a little more effort in the scripting. So, thodi si, thoda sa mujhe aur karni chahi scripting pe. This is what I feel today. Abhi ye, ye kasar mein chodi usko likhne mein. Aur in section 375, I went a step further. I took three years to write it. I researched it for three years. So, so I uh, learned from my mistakes. And I improved. That's and any piece of advice just in general about the craft of screenwriting? Yes. Yes. Uh, screenwriting is something which cannot be, in my opinion, cannot be learned. It can, you, you can hone your skill, but you can't learn uh, screenwriting. So my advice to everybody is, top, uh, to, especially to Indian screenwriters, 
please stop copying from the west please please stop adapting uh, western screenplays either officially or non officially stop making remakes of spanish films or korean films or you know english films etc and try to write original stories because that is what writing is all about and that is what you will be remembered for on your deathbed nobody is going to remember oh you uh, copied or remade so many films they'll ask you what did you create you know so i feel a writer should write from his own experience try to put down your own experience your own thoughts your own insights about society or about a person or or anything that you really want to express and talk about you should write that story which swims in your head which which you wake up with when you wake up in the morning and you have the story in your head and you feel this is the story that i want to tell the world this is the story that i want to make this is the story that i want the world to know this is my point of view you should exercise your entire energy in fleshing that story out fleshing that script out that is when you will really form a very brilliant script otherwise you will keep doing this mediocre bollywood work you know it will be either remake or it will be a biopic that's a easy way out you know create a great story that is what is lacking in india very good advice uh, manish i i like your um, candid um, approach to it <laughs> not many people like it a lot of people take offense to my candid approach and they um don't do not like a lot of people especially actors do not like my brutal honesty they are used to sycophancy what i call ass licking they used to that they are used to ji huzuri which i don't do they are brutally honest you know and so a lot of actors don't like they don't they take offense to it yaar ye hamara sath aise kaise baat kar sakte hain hum sab to humko ji जी जी करके बोलते हैं हाथ जोड़ के सब और ये तो हमें पूरा जो यू नो हमारी तो पूरी उधर ही पोल खोल देता है सब तो सम पीपल डोंट अप्रिशिएट Absolutely brilliant series. I love that series. German, yeah. German. I think it's German and it's dubbed in English. I saw it on Netflix, so that's the recommendation. So not not a very popular web series. You know, it's not very. Mind Hunter became very popular, but Dark was not very popular. But it's brilliantly written. The last two episodes were brilliant. The twists were brilliant. So yeah, that is a recommendation. Because mainstream films everybody sees. So. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Another another recommendation of a film which is not two films which have not been really seen by too many people. There's a film called Searching. The Excellent film, is, film. I loved it. Yeah. What a film! It was shot on an iPhone. Completely shot on an iPhone, and it's the storytelling is through an iPhone and laptop screens, and it's all. It was so brilliantly written and executed. It's such a low budget film. That's a great film. Another another film which I found great was. uh don't breathe so these three what i just named these two films and one web series see these are unique creations the the writers and directors have created something unique they have not copied they have created something of their own it's not a these are not biopics you know 
they don't follow any set formula it they these these stories create their own genre they and their own genre and uh, <clears throat> i'm going to take you back to sarkar and your research about sarkar because something you said really picks my interest and in fact that's um, it's a topic which uh, <clears throat> you know i have been uh, researching a lot and i love to talk about it with anybody so if we are okay on time i would just like to take few more minutes to uh, chat with you about that you said that when you were uh, researching for sarkar you were looking at <clears throat> the different dynamics of the thakre family and what not and one of those uh, you mentioned was uh, the dynamic between sharad pawar and bal thakre and that's a friendship that always uh, has fascinated me uh, especially the friendship between bal thakre sharad pawar and uh, george fernandez because i think those three people they're extreme uh, very strong personalities in their own way and extremely different um, you know uh, world view uh, but at the same time very close friends and that particular dynamic has changed over years uh, you know depending on their politics and depending on the power equations of the time but uh, what were some of the interesting um, kind of notes that you made when you were looking at uh, sharad pawar and bal thakre and their friendship and their equation it's like uh, the most interesting part is that in politics in politics can two people really be friends they may be very well acquainted with each other they may be enjoying each other's company they may be meeting each other drinking together spending time together their families know each other but can really can they really be friends because ultimately they'll be you know stabbing each other in the back ultimately so they are rivals so that's a very interesting equation that you you are such bitter rivals but yet you are friends so that was that was the interesting angle and i explored it quite well i showed that these two characters amitabh bachchan and the chief minister they are very they are the best of friends and they support each other etc and in the end you know that that person is the main villain and it's his treachery that has you know been detrimental to amitabh bachchan's character yeah so that's how i i tweaked it a little bit yeah, yeah, yeah. yes yeah. and like you said i mean you can tell uh, mostly from the characters like who's who so uh, uh, yeah it, it, they are very thinly veiled <laughs> not really veiled so but uh, uh, sarkar is a beautiful film um, again and uh, here's one more thing i wanted to ask you and uh, now oh yeah i got to ask you about this were you on the sets of sarkar when sarkar was being uh, met i was on the set every minute okay so were you uh, officially uh, an assistant to ramu at that time or just as a writer, as a writer i was on the set because ramu ji is not very uh, not very comfortable with hindi so he needed me there to guide the actors with the accent and with the with the lines and if they want to improvise something and you know if they have some doubts or they want to change something so he needed me as a dialogue writer on the set because he is not very conversant with hindi and um, uh, were you uh, did you provide any inputs as to the actual the way uh, it was shot um, or you're um, mostly were there as a writer i was mostly there as a writer but i also tried to give, uh, provide some in, inputs to how how it will be shot but ramu ji didn't take any of my inputs <laughs> how but, surprising <laughs> but he he uh, 
did turn to me sometimes for help, additional help. Like when his assistants could not control a given situation or where, where they did not creatively understand his vision. So I was the person who creatively understood what he's trying to do. So he would often ask for my help. So I helped him. But I've never assisted him. Okay. So I was always a writer for him. I never assisted. As a member of audience, what was your favorite uh, bit from Sarkar on screen? Uh, yeah, as an audience or as a writer? No, no, as an audience. Obviously, as a writer, you won't be able to, right? Because you don't have objectivity there. Yeah, but as a, just a member of audience, if you saw Sarkar, and let's say for a minute that you had not written it, uh, which part of the movie would have been your favorite? The actor Zakir Hussain comes to meet Amitabh Bachchan and he gives him an offer. Like 20 lakhs. You know, and Avadavajan looks at him. He says 30 lakhs. Then Avadavajan tells him that Mujhe jo sahi lagta hai, bas karta hon. Ho, and he says, sun, tujhe bhi karne dunga. That whole sequence, that is my favorite sequence. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it uh, kind of harks back to. Uh, classic uh, Bachchan um, era, you know, and uh, so it's it's a wonderful homage to that too. My favorite bit was actually when uh, Shankar um, takes care of Vishnu and then come upstairs. Ah, and yes. there is no dialogue and he's just, there's just close-up of eyes and everything. And pretty much everybody knows that, you know, he has killed uh, Vishnu until, I mean, he says that explicitly afterwards that I uh, Vishnu ko. But I thought that was very nicely done because you know, and it kind of builds the tension. You know that what has happened, but at the same time, it kind of keeps it stretched, uh, the tension. So that was my favorite uh, part from the movie. Hey, Manish, this was great uh, chatting with you. Thanks a lot again uh, for coming on the podcast. And I'm really glad we were able to figure out everything, Skype and everything, and we got this chat done. Nice talking to you. That was Manish Gupta. By the way, Manish has also written and directed Hostel and co-directed Darna Zaruri Hai, in case you would like to check out his other work. If you have a comment or suggestion, or anything which you would like to add to the conversation held on this episode, drop me a comment on Twitter. Also, do subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, and drop us a review when you get a chance. You can follow me on Twitter at Love of Cinema SF8 for podcast-related updates and my tweets on all things movies. That's all I got today. This is Himanshu, signing off. And like always, thank you for listening to the Love of Cinema podcast. <laughs>